Before we get into today's episode, I want to take a quick moment to thank our sponsors, as this show would not be possible if it wasn't for them. Millie and Ma, the stylish and unique all-Australian gift boxes. Their ranges include corporates, him and her, babies, or you can design your own. Catch them today at www.millieandma.com.au. That's www.millieandma.com.au. And last but not least, RetroJet Prints. At RetroJet, they create unique, high-quality, retro-inspired artwork that's affordable. Designed by them for you to suit any setting. Find them today at RetroJet Prints on Instagram or Facebook. And now, let's start the episode. He got a bit carried away, Brendan. That's not like Brendan to get carried away, is it? No. What a time to be alive. Save us a go. Disposal efficiency. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 70 of the Pressure Point podcast. Uh, as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Quinn DeLuca. Mate, can you believe we're episode 70 already? I can't at all. I was just thinking that as you were saying, I thought, gee, 70 is a lot of episodes. I can't believe we've made it this far, especially through a couple of pandemics as well now, or one big pandemic, I should say. So it's, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, it's been great. It's been great. It's uh, been 70 memorable episodes, that's for sure. But uh, it's fitting that on our 70th episode, we've got a, uh, a very special guest. We've got Western Bulldogs legend and media personality, Brad Johnson. Welcome to the show. G'day, Marcus, Quinn. How are you guys? Very good. Thanks, Brad. Thanks for jumping on, mate. It's, a, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on board. Nah, no, no worries whatsoever. I only heard good things from a couple of colleagues of mine. So more than happy to, uh, to jump in and hopefully have, uh, have a laugh with you boys. Absolutely. Well, that's the plan. Well, I mean, before we, before we get into things, obviously we've been living in a pandemic, as I mentioned, and we had a little chat off there, but for everyone else listening, how's life been through the pandemic for you and your family? Oh, look, it hasn't been hasn't been too bad for for us. We we started a business in the pandemic, so that's um that's been a challenge in uh, in in itself. But that's been uh, that's been ticking along okay. And oh, look, with with footy continuing on, the AFL done a really good job in terms of keeping the season seasons going the last couple of years. So that's kept us, I suppose, busy from a from a work point of view. And we're based we're based in Geelong, so life for us, you know, they put up the ring of steel last year, so we're able to still get around uh, down here and. Um, and then obviously with what's going on at the moment, we've got a little bit more freedom in terms of what we can, can and can't do down, uh, down this way at the moment. But we're still obviously um, thinking of everyone else and, and really um, just hoping that the numbers, you know, go the right way over the next week or so that everyone can get that opportunity to, to get out and about again. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, numbers today weren't, weren't promising, but uh, I feel like this time last year we're, not, not a lot's changed since this time last year. I mean, so it's uh, it's a bit bit frustrating, but um, but no, we will keep playing through. We've done it all before. So, um, but let's talk about you. Let's talk about footy. That's what we're here for. Um, hey, this resume it's quite impressive. You're three time Charles Sutton medalist, six time All Australian, captain in two thousand six, five time Bulldogs leading goal kicker, captain of the club for you know, four years, Bulldogs team of the century, and AFL Hall of Fame. Hey. That's a pretty impressive resume, and and as we do with all our guests, we, we usually start from the start. So, mate, fill us in. How did that all start, and where'd your love for footy come from to to you know forge a career like that? Yeah, look, it's a lot of luck along the way. To be honest with you, boys, <laughs> the one that I don't have that uh, we'd all love is that is that premiership uh, 
Premiership Cup. That would have been um, nice, nice as well. But look, I've loved the game since I was um, since I was a little little kid. I, I didn't start playing until I was thirteen years of age, um, and I had to wear a massive helmet back in the day. You can imagine back in about. 1990 what the helmets looked like back back then so i like to wear one of those my mum made me wear a, a helmet to to start uh, but i was into little ath- athletics is my main sport i suppose outside of foot i just love it i always have since i was since i was little grew up watching michael jordan um you know the cool and get a gold all these things that i that i loved um growing up those endurance based sports as well so that were my passions and then i was um so then I started playing when I was under 13s and and um, basically played for three three years at uh, Hoppers Crossing where I grew up and then went and played one year at Williamstown under under 19s and reserves. When I when I was 15, I was I was a little bit soft. I was a little bit outside in the in the way that I played. I had to toughen up a little bit. And I remember having a really bad sort of uh, representative game and. From that game, I think there was a there was about 15 or so guys that got invited to the Bulldogs under 19s. I wasn't one of them to train and a bit obviously disappointed and shattered with that. So had to work on some things. So I went and played, well, tried out for Williamstown in their under 19s as a 15-year-old and made the team. So I played um, played with Williamstown for one year, played four reserves games at the end of that year. So I played against men as a as a youngster, which was which was good. And then I went back to the Western Jets and played under 18 footy. So I went back with confidence because I played against men the year before playing as kids my own age. So, and I was drafted as a 17 year old and walked into the club at the Bulldogs. It happened pretty quickly for myself. Um, I was always little. I, did, I didn't grow until I was probably about 16 anyway. So, um, and I'm not that tall anyway. I grew to five foot 11, nearly six foot. So it's not, it's not huge, but it was, it was big enough to, um, to start to compete against some of, some of these guys my own age, you know, more effectively. Yeah. You, you mentioned Williamstown. Uh, how, how was that experience there? Obviously there, still a, a pretty big club and obviously playing in the VFL as well. How was that experience just before your, your AFL career got started? Oh, look, that was, that was enormous. I, I'd loved the club growing up, always went to watch a, a lot of their home games and was obsessed with Simon Lloyd at fullback and Danny Delray and um, Chops Rickman up forward. Sadi Ghazi was a gun for Williamstown at the time. McTaggart, I could name, name a few more, but I just loved going to watch them on a weekly basis. So then to be at the same club, I know we're in the under-19s, but um, but just rubbing shoulders with with these guys was um, was just huge, and um, so then and I was lucky. Look, I, the the under nineteen boys really looked after me because I was so young. Um, you know, they they really um, taught me a lot. They taught me the right way to play, which was which was really important. And then I I was lucky, as I said, to get four reserves games at the end of that year. So you know, I keep one goal seven in my first reserves game for Williamstown. Um, it would have been nice if it was the other way around, but. Um, but from there, that's where my confidence in in my game really sort of went to a level where I knew I'd, I'd be able to sort of compete at sort of any level. Yeah, awesome. And then, I mean, talk to us about your, your debut for the Doggies um, and how that all went down. Obviously, debut's a, a massive deal. Every player remembers their, their first game. Explain to us, um, yeah, how that all went down for you and that experience. Oh, look, it was a, it was a buzz. It took... It took a while into the season. It took to about round 16, I think, in my first in my first year. It was basically I turned 18 and the following week I got my first senior game. So it was like they waited till I I, uh, I stepped into that sort of you know adulthood and uh, and then they uh, and then they selected me. But now I had to really earn my spot within within the lineup. Um, it was an amazing experience. It really was. It was 
at the Wynn Noble. It was actually Tony Shaw's record-breaking game for Collingwood. So the week before, Doug Hawkins broke the record for the Bulldogs. And my best mate, Rowan Smith, did his shoulder in that game. So I replaced him the following week and got um, got my first, you know, look at footy at the, at the Witten Oval. It was, a, it was amazing. It was a packed house. And, you know, just running out, it's that that adrenaline that you get for the first time. You, that's what fuels you to want to be a part of that every every single week. It's an amazing experience. And Tony Liberatore Torre gave me my first kick in footy. So a nice little handball from, from Liver and I kicked it to Luke Beveridge. So... Um, it might have gone along the ground, but that's okay. It still went in the, in the right direction, um, and that's that's basically what I remember. The rest is a bit of a a bit of a blur off the off the back of that. Yeah, well, I mean, it's every every little kid's dream, I guess, to go through that experience, and you were lucky enough to do so. And you know, you see some players out there, past and present, and you think it looks like they potentially take their opportunity to AFL level for granted a little bit, but you were the complete opposite. You always seem to be the happiest guy on the ground, you know, obviously the famous smile of yours and all the, and you know, and all that. So is it safe to say that every time he ran on the ground, there was just a pure feeling of jubilation? Oh, look, I was, I was, I was pretty much hitting myself the whole, every time I ran onto the ground, don't worry about that. And that's, I think that those nerves are something that comes with, with playing, um, you know, playing every single week, regardless of whatever level, it's a little bit of the unknown. you you know you've prepared well, but you're running out there, you know, just um, hoping that it that it goes really well from a from a start point. So, but I, I loved it. I, I've always loved the game. I love pulling on the colours. So hopefully that was something that sort of you know came out in the way that I played. I, I was pretty passionate about the footy club. I was passionate about my teammates. I I worked as hard as I as I could, but I enjoyed doing it. It was never it was never a chore. It was never a grind for myself to you know get through a preseason or or work through certain scenarios in season, whether we're having winning seasons or, or losing seasons. I still really enjoyed, you know, the opportunity that um, that I was given. Well, you can tell that you did a lot of hard work and, and as, although you enjoyed it, it was still a lot of hard work and that obviously ended up getting you into the AFL Hall of Fame like we touched on earlier. You're in some great company there. What, what does it mean to be inducted into the Hall of Fame? Oh, look, it's... <laughs> It means it means a lot. It's it was a lot of lot of hard work to you know even be considered in that in that sort of light. And I still look at some of the guys that I was inducted with, with Matty Richardson and, and Andrew McLeod and and Cooter. And you sort of go Warren Treadray, I think so. You sort of go wow, you know they, these guys have achieved probably more in the game than, than I did. Especially someone like Andrew McLeod, Norm Smith medalist two years in a row. You know premiership player. Um, so yeah, during that period when I was inducted, they, they had themes and one of the themes was loyalty and being a one club player, I think was, um, was something that, um, you know, back then was, was held in a really high regard. So I think that enabled me probably to jump in it, um, possibly a few years earlier, but it's not, it's something you don't, you don't think about it when you're playing. It's, it's one of those rewards that, um, you know, it's, it's in the hands of others. So you know, ultimately, you've got no say in it. It's it's up to others and how they see you as a as a player and a person that that make these decisions. And and when they do, obviously, we're we're pretty wrapped myself and and the family to to accept the award. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you mentioned one club player as well. I know a lot of players you know, at the start of their careers they, they strive to be a one club player. Um, would you say yeah yeah you're super proud of that? Obviously, you didn't get your premiership, but to, you know you play over 300 games for the doggies. Do you say that's a, a pretty proud achievement to just be a one club player? Yeah, I think so. Now looking back, but I was never I was never sort of I suppose one thing I never really came out of contract with the club, so I was never in that position that other clubs and no other club ever came knocking. So I was happy to <laughs> just to keep re- being rolled out on a on a weekly basis at the at the Western Bulldogs. Now, honestly, I was. 
I was never going anywhere. I, I, I loved it. Um, you know, I was really sort of, you're never comfortable in an AFL environment, but understanding the club for such a long period of time, you know, there, there was there was no way I was stepping outside to go to a, another environment to, to start again. I just, um, you know, knew where we're at. Um, the coaches right along the whole journey I had, I, I clicked with with um, with pretty much all of them. So, you know, that that made life a lot easier as well, knowing that you could you could roll out every week and and try and have the biggest impact that you possibly could. Yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, well, um, we'll get into some some of the big games that you've played in. Start with probably a low one, and then we'll get into a, a good one. But obviously, the 1997 prelim final is pretty famous for a lot of footy fans. Maybe not so much for the doggies fans and the doggies players on the day, but um, geez, it's it it's up there with one of the one of the best. Um, what's what was the experience like in that game? Obviously, pretty heartbreaking, but. Um, I mean, if you're happy to talk about it, what was your experience yeah. like through that? Oh, look, now I'm happy to talk about anything. To be honest with you, boys, <laughs> oh, you know, it's just part of your journey. It's what you, it's what you've lived. So, you know, it's just the, the nature of what we went through at the time. Look, '97 was a massive year for the club because '96 we had Year the Dog, we had players that were really sick with some serious illnesses. We nearly, we nearly folded as a footy club at the end of '96, and then David Smorgan came in. We changed from Footscray to the Western Bulldogs in '97. We started training in October, which no one did back then. Um, so we got ourselves as fit as we possibly could. In 97, we went from 15th to, you know, second on the ladder, which was which was a huge year. And we're 20 points up in a prelim final, um, which was um, which was huge. What, I think we kicked six behinds in the last quarter. So it's our own fault that we didn't go through to a, a grand final. Adelaide and Jarman turned it on. But, you know, if we, if we, were, if we were good enough, we would have kicked one or two and, sealed you know sealed victory for the um for the footy club it just just wasn't our time unfortunately so you know we played pretty well throughout that year but yeah it's just the, the devastation of losing the way that we did being in the position we were at three-quarter time was um was heartbreaking for you know a lot of us I was a bit younger at the time so you know I was only about 20 21 years of age so you sort of think yeah this is going to continue on for years to come you work out pretty quickly that it can drop away, you know, pretty quickly. You got to make the most of those opportunities when they when they come. So, and we just didn't at that period of time. And '98 was the same. You know, we went to another prelim against Adelaide, and Andrew McLeod turns it on, and we thought we'd be able to repay them from the year before, and they just they just destroyed us. So, you know, that's just the nature of of what we had to live through at that period of time. Yeah, for sure, Jez. I can't can't imagine the heartbreak, um, and especially with fans. Well, I mean, it's it's probably made up for with the 2016 premiership, but yeah, geez, that would have been would have been a tough day for a lot of them. Um, but going on to a probably a highlight, um, that win against Essendon in 2000. It was a you know your regular home and away game, but um, the Bombers were undefeated. Obviously, it was it was round 21, so they were having arguably the greatest season of all time. Um, how was that game? Um, it's obviously a very famous one as well. What what was the experience like in that? Oh, the build-up was was huge. A lot goes a lot goes into that. Look, you you can judge the the two hours and the execution there, but you know we we had a it was only pretty much a week. It was it was pretty sort of fast track the way that Terry Wallace wanted us to to play with because Essendon was so good they hadn't lost a game that year. So how could we surprise them with with doing something different? So I remember going. We think we did one session at Spotswood. We did a couple down at Werribee. We just went and trained away from the the footy club. Worked on this mass flood. That we, were, that we were going to do just to try and clog them up. And um, and we executed pretty well. At like the first quarter, Essendon were just in front. I remember Mark McCurry and, and Joe Mercedes were sort of saying at quarter time, what are you boys up to tonight? You know, didn't expect that sort of game plan against them because they were going along so well. 
three quarter time we were I think we we're about 15 points down don't don't uh, keep me on that margin but they, they, were, they were just in front of us the bombers and Terry Wallace called us in at three quarter time and said look we're releasing now we're going to go play the way that we know play fast play attacking let's get this win and so we went from the mass flood for three quarters to all that attack and you know we we're able to um, bridge the gap and Chris Grant kicks this unbelievable goal and he's on his left foot from the boundary line uh, to put us in front and then Rowan Smith sealed it right on the siren. So it was, yeah, it was a, it was a huge emotional sort of win for the, for the footy club and, and one that sort of, yeah, we're, we're pretty proud of. Although Essendon was the loss they had to have, they went on and won the premiership that year quite, quite easily, but uh, it was still good to be able to, you know, achieve something against the best side of the, of the year in, in the year 2000. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That's a, a great game for a neutral to watch as well. I think I've watched that game plenty of times and um, there was that period of, of footy where I loved the most around the 2000s, early 2000s. But speaking of that era and and a year later against the same team, it's obviously that that famous Gary Moorcroft, Mark. You are uh, unfortunately- Why are you saying it? Why are you so nervous, Marcus? It's all right, mate. You're, you're, you're allowed to bring this stuff up, mate. It's, it's, uh, it's all good. You don't have to be nervous when asking I, you about it. <laughs> all right. Well, I'll go straight for it then. How was that experience with Gary Moorcroft sitting on top of your head? No, that's better. <laughs> you know what? It was... I didn't see it, of course, because I was underneath, the, <laughs> underneath him. But I, I've said a couple of times, I remember... I remember my teammate Ben Harrison, who was behind it. He cheered the mark. It was it was it was that big. <laughs> but when I the, the I realised it was something special when I, I stood up after being um, put on the deck from from Gary after the leap that he that he did, and forty thousand people, including Bulldogs fans, were on their feet giving him a standing ovation. So I thought something something big has just happened, and then watching it on the scoreboard, that it's an enormous grab. Like really, is it? The only positive for me is I never played in the back pocket again in, in my life. So that was that was one good thing. But but outside of that, it was it was special. You got to celebrate, you know, those those sort of moments in the game. Yeah, I was the step ladder, but reality is it was it, it was bloody special. Well, like you said, it's one of those things where you make that kind of mistake and you never play that position again. And it's almost smart if you think about it. You don't want to play in the back pocket. Just don't do a good job and they won't play you. <laughs> he was unstoppable anyway that night, Gary Walker. I think yeah. He was on fire. He kicked a few that night, yeah. He, yeah, he was, he, was, he was flying. So he got rid of a few of our key defenders and then, you know, you, you throw me down there. He's got, I got seriously. I've got no idea how to play defence. None, none whatsoever. None whatsoever. That's why. That's why I stood five metres in front of him, thinking, "Oh well, you know." The other, the other part about that mark is that Scotty Lucas has never kicked on his right foot, and with that, with that kick, he kicks on his right foot, so he doesn't hit it as well as he normally would, and just sits it perfectly on, uh, on my head. It was just, it was written in the stars, that one. I think it was just meant to happen. It all fell in the place perfectly for Gary Moorcroft. But you, you touched earlier on Terry Wallace and we've all seen him get pretty fired up at certain times. What, what do you reckon one of the worst sprays the team caught from Terry Wallace or even you personally caught from him? Oh, we, he taught us some life lessons. Don't worry about that. He was, but he was, he was a good coach. He had, he had the good mix. He could hit you between the eyes and tell you where you need to get better as a player, but it was always pretty specific. Um, and then, um, yeah, so he built some resilience with you as a, as a player, but then also, you know, was pretty good in giving you a, a pat on the back when you'd done pretty well also. But, oh, look, we oh, we had a number of, you know, different challenges under under Terry Wallace. The, after that prelim, you know what, he came the next day with we blew it written on his head sort of, you know, so he, he hit it home pretty pretty quickly that that we'd um, 
made a big mess of the 97 prelim. Um, you know, we, it, it was really theme-based, um, Terry. So we had a lot of games that were, that were um, you know, we'd sign game balls or we'd have plaques and we'd do different things to, to motivate us. But, and we, we rarely let him down in those, in those situations, which was, which was good. I remember, I remember when um, it was my 21st and we were, we, we, we lost, got smashed at Prince's Park and, you know, he looked me in the eyes and he, in, in his way, in a real sort of angry sort of fashion, like what he said in you and the dog, if you guys get a pat on the back, I'll, I'll spew up in that sort of, um, in that sort of tone, he basically said, you know, you should have been just a year 21st setting up for that today. So like he, he really was able to sort of hit home in terms of, you know, the, the moments to, to make you think about your footy. And later that night, he put your arm around you, me at the 21st and says, I want you to have a crack tonight, you know, it's your 21st. So he, you know, he played, he played both cards, um, you know, really well. And um, yeah, but he, he could, he could hit you between the eyes. That's good. As could any coach, to be to be honest with you, they when when they got fired up, it was they got on a roll. It was something you just had to sit there and not say a word. You, you just had to cop it and and move on. Yeah, absolutely. I can imagine it would have been would have been um, exactly what we sort of see on TV with Terry, pretty straight straight between the eyes. So, um, but going back to players you played with, who would you say is the best one you, you've played with throughout your career? Oh, Chris Chris Grant was unbelievable, honestly. Um, he was nicknamed the Rolls Royce for a reason. He was just he was just unbelievable with the way that he he um, could do things on his left and right. Some of the things we'd, we'd see at training that that no one witnessed. You just sort of sit there in awe of this guy, and you know you'd run out behind him on match day when he was our captain, and he, the presence was enormous. You just knew you were in good hands. So he was he was the best. Scotty West won seven best and fairest in in that period that um, that I played as well. So. You know, just phenomenal through through the midfield. Smitty was unbelievable. Um, look, you, I could keep going, and then I, you know, then towards the end of my career, playing with you know Lindsay Gilby and Robert Murphy and Daniel John Syracuse, Daniel Cross, Matty Boyd, all these guys that you know went on to have unbelievable careers at, at the club. Some Premiership players at the club as well, you know, and even the likes of Ryan Griffin and Adam Cooney as young players were were just stars. You could see they were going to be stars of the competition. So had a few along the way, but none better than than. Randy. Yeah, I thought that thought that might be the answer. He was an absolute <laughs> absolute superstar. I love watching him play. Um, but let's move on to the 2016 Premiership. What were your thoughts and feelings around that? Obviously, it was a landmark occasion for the footy club, um, a very emotional one, and um, it was a final series which every other supporter was was cheering on the Bulldogs. How was that? How was that day for you personally? Oh, the whole final series, you're right, was was unbelievable. Yeah. The, the Bulldogs lost round 23 to Frio, and everyone thought that was it. They'd be knocked out of the finals in the first week, and they beat West Coast. When they kicked Hawthorne out, I probably knew then that we were a realistic chance, and the prelim was that intense. I remember sitting with Mitch Hahn in Sydney at the at the prelim final, you know, basically, you know, arm in arm, just like that nervous with <laughs> uh, with, a, with each other. And then the granny was, was just phenomenal. Look, for me personally, I grew up bagging for the Bulldogs, so... I'd been waiting my whole life to see a flag, you know, coming through as a, as a youngster watching the game and then not having that opportunity as a, as a player. But my love for the club has been there since I was, since I was really little. So it was a huge day for myself and my family for, for many reasons, but couldn't have been prouder of the club and what the players achieved and, um, and those sort of things that, that went with it. And, you know, like we, um, we were nervous right throughout the game, but then, to be on actually on the ground, you know, with my kids and, and my wife when they um, 
when they held up the Premiership Cup was something that that we'll never forget. So it was, you know, it was just an, an amazing day, an amazing experience, and it was it was good to, um, you know, have a small part in it. The best part for me though with Fox, I, I interviewed Chris Hemsworth after the game in the change room. That was <laughs> that was pretty cool to, uh, to to be able to to be able to do that. So you know, there were there were many highlights that uh, that, that come with the day. Absolutely. What was Chris Hemsworth like? I know he's a Bulldog supporter, but is he as passionate as he claims to be? Absolutely. A absolute champion, champion bloke. Like we, it was, it was, it was phenomenal. Um, you know, being able to, to meet himself and, and his family um, after the, after the game. And yeah, so it was, yeah, it was, it was a pretty sort of special moment, obviously with the, the, the personality and, and the, I suppose the presence in the room, as you could imagine, you got Chris Hemsworth in your, in your change room celebrating a, a premiership, but his love for the Bulldogs was like anyone else that was that was in in that room, super passionate about about the club, followed them for a very long time, and I'm sure he was super buzzed to be to be in there when the the players you know sang that song, you know for winning the flag with the Premiership Cup in the middle, and everyone's going nuts, and and he was a big part of that as well. Well, I guess they're the perks of being pretty famous, aren't they? You can pretty much do whatever you want and get wherever you want to be. <laughs> That's but- it. Speaking of premierships, this year, the modern day dogs, 2021, they're looking pretty good. They're looking likely to make it there on the last day of September or October, whenever the grand final is going to be this year at this rate. But what are your thoughts on the dogs this year and how they're tracking? Oh, they've been going really well. It's, since winning the flag, it's the first time they've looked like a, a top four team. I know they've missed finals since the flag and got started, got going a little bit last year. And then um, and then where they're at now, that, that was the biggest challenge. How are they going to become a top four team in the competition? And Marcus Bonapelli's been just unbelievable with what um, with what he's been able to do this year, and 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 well, you know, well looked after in the midfield. The Bulldogs are at the moment with some of the other stars in there, and that's the biggest challenge for them, I think, leading into the the final series. The the midfield's been a little bit down the last few weeks, and the results haven't gone the Bulldogs' way. So that's their that's their biggest challenge. Is if the midfield stands up um, in the in the final series, they'll go. They could go right through and win it, but. You know, Geelong are in a really sweet spot at the moment. Port Adelaide are flying, so it's tough. You know, you get to this, you get to this end of the season, and you're playing teams that you know have had equivalent years in terms of what they've been able to do, win, loss. But more importantly, they've got some superstars in their teams as well. The opposition, so it's difficult. But they'd be looking at the dogs the same way. The fact that you know McRae, Bontempelli, Liberatore, Hunter, all through the midfield is um, is pretty big for the for the Bulldogs. But they've got their challenges and. We'll see if, um, you know, they're good enough, but they're in a good spot at the moment. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you. I think the, the midfield team that the Bulldogs have at the moment is elite and Liberatore, I think, has probably had one of his best seasons he's had to date. So you're every chance, you're every chance to make it. But obviously you're in the media now um, after an, a, an illustrious AFL career. How did you make that transition from AFL player to media personality? Was, was it difficult or did you find the move quite easy? No, no, I was, I was lucky throughout my career that, it's one thing I was always honest with the club about. Sometimes you can do media when you're playing. If you play poorly, they'll say, look, that's the first thing that's got to go. You've got to refocus back on back on your footy. But from the outset, it was something that I always wanted to, to be a part of post-footy. So I, I worked in the media for about eight to 10 years as I was a player um, as well. So I was able to get some good grounding that, get some great education from some guys that were older than me that took me under their wing a little bit in terms of media and mentoring me. So, and the club were great. Even if I was having a bad patch of form, it wasn't something they come and said, you, you're not allowed to do that anymore. They were, they were really good. And I, and I didn't bring any problems on, on the club anyway with, with speaking in the media on a, on a regular basis. So they were comfortable with that. And that gave me confidence then to, 
once I finished, I was lucky to to get offered a, a deal with Fox and I've been there 10 years and I absolutely, absolutely love it. It's a great place to work. There's unbelievable um, guys and girls that, that work at Fox. We're all, we're all pretty close in terms of our relationships. And I think that sort of comes out a little bit in terms of what we deliver on a weekly basis with the games, but we have a lot, we have a lot of fun um, in there. It's a, it really is a great place to work. Well, you've basically answered my next question already, but I'll ask it again anyway. We Obviously, we've had Kath Lochnan, Tom Morris, and uh, Ben Waterworth on the podcast already, and they were all fantastic guests, and we're sort of working our way through the Fox footy ranks at the moment, just going through everybody slowly. But um, obviously, what, what is it like working with all them? Obviously, a lot of fun, like like you mentioned. Yeah, I've worked with – Kath took over um, hosting Saturday Stretch, um, which I've done for five years now, and she took over a couple of years ago. And with her hosting, it's gone to a whole new level. She's an absolute – superstar in the making she's she's doing a lot more now which is great she hosted a, a week or two of 360 she's she's flying absolutely flying but she's a ripper as you guys well and truly know to to go with it extremely down to earth just a hard worker who um you know is she's good with us as 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 well she she jumps in she's not a, she's not afraid to to give us a clip every now and then if we if we need it so um so she's great value and tommy morris is is leading the way with breaking the news and i didn't know jordan lewis too much until the last couple of years and um it's amazing when you you watch someone and you you, you play against them and you're like ah oh, you know i can't stand i can't stand this play but when you actually get to work with them and, and meet them away from the actual footy field you realize they're they're absolute rippers so geordie and i get along extremely well uh we've got we see the game the same way so that that's what makes it you know pretty easy in terms of us um working together on a on a saturday night so We've been we've been going strong the last couple of years. They're they're a great uh, great crew to to work with. So we're we're pretty lucky that each Saturday night I get to spend with with those guys. Yeah, and the chemistry that you guys have clearly shows on air as well. Like us as fans watching from home, you can see that you're all mates, and it and it, it comes off so nicely. So. On another topic, though, I know yourself and your wife, Donna, have started up a female impact protection uh, business called Xena, and I know I haven't done it any justice by describing it like that, but can you tell everybody a little bit about what you're doing there? That is spot on, Quinn, honestly, because that's, <laughs> that's what it is. It's a, it's, a, it's a specifically designed vest for females playing contact or collision-based sports. So any type of collision, our vest will, will help it. It's got breast and rib protection, and it's been great fun, honestly. It's something that my wife's pretty passionate about. Um, I've jumped on board and well and truly a part of the, the business. It's what, you know, we work on every single day of the of the week, trying to establish ourselves in the sporting landscape. It's great. We had 60 AFLW girls wear it last season. So then the flow on's been great into the community. All the girls love wearing it. Um, it gives them the protection. They recover better. It's only weighs 160 grams. It's really light. It doesn't restrict any movement or anything like that. So it's been, it's been great fun. And it's not only... Footy now we we work in the in the soccer space or basketball, lacrosse and softball and surf boat rowers. Where we've got the vest at the Paralympics coming up. We've, we've joined forces with the Aussie Bells, the goalball team. So that's been you know they're they're in the blind sports space. That's been an amazing to learn a little bit more about that. So we're we're learning every single day with with the vest, but most importantly, it's it's just adding a layer of of protection for for the girls when they are out there playing and. You know they're all jumping on and 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 loving it when they put it on. Um, our feedback that we're getting is is excellent. So it's been a good journey. It's something that it's only the beginning for us, but we're pretty passionate about you know taking it and and giving every sort of you know female participant at any level of sport that that opportunity. And 
it's it's all types. It's from you know your junior stuff right through to the senior girls playing footy, and everyone's at different stages of life as well. Returning mums and and athletes that have gone through some health issues that are returning to play, and we find out a lot about different types of um, individuals out there that have got their own challenges that we can we can assist with with our with our vest. So it's it's been a great journey for you know we've been going five years, but the last two since selling it, and we're only dipping our toe in the water at the moment. So hopefully in the next few years we can you know, um, go a little bit deeper with it and, and introduce ourselves to, you know, to a lot more different sports, but also the, the athletes, which are the, um, and the participants, which is the most important thing. Well, in saying that you must be wrapped at the moment with the, the in- increase of female participation and not only footy, but sports in general. I mean, obviously footy has been a big one and us being a footy podcast have taken a lot of notice in that. So you must be pretty wrapped from a, not only a business standpoint, but just a, you know, a social standpoint when the fact that females are getting more involved. I think it's I think it's it's brilliant. I'm not just saying that because we're involved heavily in in female sport now, but even even prior to that, Donna and I used to sort of talk all the time and say we're only seeing 50% of the the talent. You know, what I mean, we we need to now start to see a full book of talent, which is what we're which is what we're getting. And I think that's I think that's right across the board in terms of what you know the Matildas are doing in in soccer or you know what the rugby sevens girls are doing or what the AFLW girls are doing or the or the WNBL and what Australia did at the at the Olympic Games and oh, all these things fall through the the levels we we understand that but the the amount of coverage now that is that that the um, athletes are being exposed through I think we're all sitting back going well wow, this this is this is cool this is one great to watch it's a great product the girls skill level is is phenomenal they have a red hot crack look you look at all levels but it, AFLW in particular the girl the girls are red hot at the contest so you know that's um. So that's uh, and that's great to great to see and 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 great to watch. So every sport has participation's gone through the roof. One because of pathways, I think there's some genuine pathways now for girls coming through to reach you know whatever level they they think they can get to. So once you create the pathways and you've got the competition right at the top, setting the standard, that's where I think the growth comes from, and you know it excites it excites all of us really to see that. I want to take a quick moment to thank our sponsor, Capital Edge. Capital Edge is a boutique company set up to help you build a property portfolio quickly and effectively whilst minimizing any direct out-of-pocket costs. They implement strategies to help reduce your payable tax and avoid the common pitfalls of property investment. The simple difference with Capital Edge is that with any investment you make, it's all about you. Capital Edge, educating clients to make informed property choices using research-based processes. And last but not least, Gavos Freight Solutions, GFS. We recommend GFS due to their expert advice in all facets of international air and sea freight forwarding, including consolidation logistics, personal effects, as well as in-house customs clearance brokerage. Better than the rest, the team at GFS has a combined experience of over 40 years in the industry and is led by Peter Gavos, an accredited customs and quarantine broker. So if you're in the need for professional importing or exporting, be sure to get in contact with Peter and the team at www.gfs.net. That's www.gfs.net.au. We will move on. We have a little segment here on the podcast called The Pressure Cooker, which is just a few quick fire questions that we like to reel off to you. Nothing too crazy. So I'll hit the little, uh, the little sting. And my, my- why, why has my body language just changed all of a, all, all of a sudden? <laughs> Look at those nerves coming into it. Nervous. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. You don't have to be nervous. It's fine. So I'll hit the little sting and uh, we'll, we'll mark this off.
All righty. Who's your tip for the flag this year? Uh, outside of the Bulldogs, are we, are we talking? Yeah, yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we will. Uh, the Bulldogs don't win it. Uh, I tip Port Adelaide at the start of the year. So uh, I think they're they're not too far away from, um, you know, they're playing their best footy at the moment. Their three young guns are unbelievable. So I'm going to stick with Port Adelaide. All right. And for my question, I didn't factor the Bulldogs um, part into this. So other than Marcus Bontempelli, who would be your tip for the Brownlow? <laughs> well... I, we, we hope the Bond, my daughter is a singer and she's just written a song about uh, Marcus Bontempelli called The Bond. So check that out on, on Spotify. We hope he wins it for, uh, for, that, uh, for that fact. But um, so probably oh, Ollie Wines, Clayton Oliver, maybe. Or deep, I had a little bit to do with Sam Walsh coming through the junior programs, working with the AFL Academy and great young man. And the way he's playing his footy has been just first class, hasn't it? So sneaky would be Sam Walsh. And I'd love to, I'd love to see that. And, what might put it in his, his favour is he's been kicking last quarter goals recently. So he's um, he's probably right in the eyes of the umpires when it when it matters late in the game. Oh, geez, I like that. Um, massive Carlton supporter, so I'd love to see Sam Walsh win it, that's for sure. And those last quarter goals, mate, they've been, they've been <laughs> <Yes>. fantastic. <laughs> um, what about the rising star? Oh, Tom Green, probably Luke Jackson, the main two. I think it's it's been a... It's been a pretty even year. The, the the young fellas that were playing well at the start of the year have dropped off a little bit. And then now you've got guys playing well at the back half that are that are probably going to remain in the sights of the, the All-Australian selectors who pick the rising stars. So I think it's more those guys that are finishing off, you know, the, the strongest in Jackson and and Green that are probably going to, um, to take it out. Luke Jackson's probably just edged uh, in front with his last three performances. Yeah, I think so as well. He's uh, flying his last half of the year, especially. And then the last question for the pressure cooker today, who would be your favourite current day player? I'll get you to give us one from the dogs and then one from just the rest of the <laughs> AFL because I know you're going to have a bite. So we'll get both. Favourite favorite current day player. I love, I, I love, can I give you two? Is that, is that okay? Yeah, give us as many as you want. Yeah. All right. So I love Oscar Allen's my favourite player in the, in the competition. Uh, I, I love him and not far behind is Isaac. Heaney. So I love those. I loved those two guys with the way that they they go about it. My favourite bulldog outside of the bond um, is Josh Dunkley. So I love I love the way Dunks plays his uh, plays his footy. Yeah, love that, love that. Yeah, Josh Dunkley is, and he's very important to the dogs. They missed him when he was out too. So. Um, could be that missing link, but um, that is it. That is the pressure cooker done. Hopefully, that wasn't too uh, too hard for you. It was okay. <laughs> I can, see, I can see you're still sweating. It's all right. It's over now. Relax. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, that, uh, that's that's pretty much it for, for the episode tonight. It's, um, it's been great having you on, mate. It's um, greatly appreciated. And, yeah, we, we're very thankful for your time. So, um, yeah, really, again, thanks from, from both of us. And, um, and hopefully the doggies can get another premiership for you. Uh, I hope so, boys. Look, thanks very much for the for the opportunity. It's great to jump on. Although you went to a couple of my colleagues first, that's all forgiven now <laughs> since uh, since being through it. But no, it was honestly uh, great fun. And uh, thanks thanks very much for the chance. <laughs>